Titterpigs, the RPG podcast. Am I getting paid for this one? In the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Hey listeners, welcome back. This is episode 23 of Titter Pigs. Holy crap, Scott, we have made it to 23. You know what, though? We said that with 22, 21, 20, and when we hit the two digits. So, mm-hmm. wow. Now we can officially start our DNA corporation, you know, 23 and me, me? And, and Kevin. <laughs> yes, yes. That <laughs> I, I, I do write my own material, everyone. Oh my uh, God, don't quit your day job, bro. Don't worry about that. Um, yes, so we we are back, and we are back with a with another episode where we have a guest on to uh, to talk to and get Who's some our guest tonight, Scott. Well, I will tell you if you don't step <laughs> on me. I mean, you you make editing so difficult, and don't well, edit yeah, this it's out. My either. job. <laughs> who do we have tonight? Well, who we have tonight is is someone with uh, with a fantastic background and, and pedigree when it comes to all things geekery in the geek world. Um, we have with us tonight one Scott A. Woodard. Uh, That's correct. And welcome, welcome. Uh, for those of you who know Scott, you know him uh, probably most predominantly as uh, one of the, or the author of the Flash Gordon Savage Worlds role-playing game. Um, I hope I'm getting that correct. And also uh, Pine Box Middle School that I know many, many, many people, including several of our, of our friends, are excited about. But uh, we're going to discover many other things that Scott uh, does and has done throughout his career. And as stated, that kind of will prove that uh, Scott has more geek cred in his little <laughs> pinky toe than most of us have had or experienced throughout entire life. Scott, Welcome two titter pigs and it's so glad to have you well thank you for that glorious uh, intro <laughs> i hope i don't let you down oh you, you know, don't worry about that that's that's our job our job is to let our guests down you know has, has <laughs> that's 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 my job to let our guests down <laughs> fingers so, crossed yes so um so as stated uh for for those who you know aren't aware Scott does um he does a lot of uh writing uh within the hobby he does a lot of editing uh he has his toes in uh, several different properties um and genres throughout and as stated we'll discover some other things as we go along but before we continue uh we are doing the you know the the old the old hat that a lot of uh you know, our fellow podcasters do on, on gaming podcast, we would like to know what was your initial introduction uh, with role-playing games? Okay. Well, I have to pause because a cat just jumped on my lap. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be titter pigs without a cat. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cat on the lap. Um, I would say I go back to, I think it was Christmas of 78 when my parents actually gifted my brother and I uh, a Holmes basic D&D set. And uh, nice. it was a month, well, I wouldn't say even a month, a couple weeks later, so probably in the early part of 79, uh, that my brother, as DM, ran a game at our dining room table with me and my parents as players. Oh. And oh. Uh, 
<laughs> it's it was the first and only time my parents ever played D&D <laughs> but uh I applaud them for actually sitting down and doing it my mm -hmm. father played a magic user my mom was the cleric I was an elf mm -hmm. because of course this is old school you know basically right. I was an elf named Vilto I still have the character sheets believe it or not wow. um and Vilto has uh existed in one form or another throughout my entire career and even in my gaming career, he was my first EverQuest character, and 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 War, you know, Warcraft. I brought it, Vilto back, so he's always been around. He's haunted me. At some point, I suppose I should write a novel. It's sort of following the footsteps of Gary writing, you know, Gord the Rogue stuff. But so yeah, it goes all the way back to '78. Wow, I mean that I that right there, I think is is a bit of an exception to the rule. Even though your parents gave it the good college try initially. Uh, most of us, you know, of a certain age who were able to experience role-playing games of that period essentially was either here you go now, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we were, you know, the, the eighties latchkey kid, here's something to keep you busy, uh, while we're doing more important things like work and other things, but yeah, uh, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, totally. I don't think we had much choice cause it was January in upstate New York. So surely I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of snow. There wasn't much else we could do. And, and we you know, ripped open this box and tore into it. And my brother learned the rules before I did. And another thing uh, I think that tends to be a, a tad of an exception to the rule is, you know, I don't think, at least for me, we actually learned the rules uh, until many, many years later, maybe up to even second edition. Uh, at that final point, it's like, oh, crap we've been doing this wrong <laughs> i'm still figuring out the rules and i'm almost you know i'm in my late 40s i'm still learning the rules all right let's, right. let's be honest oh yeah yeah so. and i still have a homes but basic D set on that shelf back there it's not the original one but but uh, i've been rebuilding my nostalgia inventory over the last few years oh that's awesome uh, as have I. Uh, people call that midlife crisis, but uh, <laughs> I do, like you, call it rebuilding my old uh, library. Right. Yeah. Um, I call it draining my bank account. Well, there's that too. <laughs> but my wife calls it the midlife crisis. I call it draining my bank account. <laughs> so your introduction, uh, uh, you know, was was Dungeons Dragons, which you know, which took you, I would assume, like many others, uh, towards um, discovering other games. And, and, you know, the, but from there, uh, you know, we, Keith and I do extensive research, uh, on all of our guests, uh, five True minutes story. before, five minutes before we start. <laughs> and, um, and one of the things that we, that, you know, that we've, we can see that's easily described in, in your biography, not only an RPG geek, but, uh, you have a, a very extensive, um, uh, you know, IMD page, uh, cataloging your career within the, the movie industry, uh, specifically, it seems, uh, you know, within special effects and certain things such as that. And I would have to imagine that, you know, a, a young Scott, you know, discovering things such as Dungeons and Dragons, um, that also you were engaging in other things of, you know, flights of, you know, fancy and fantasy and science fiction. Oh, yeah. um, um, so what were what were some of those things that that dis that you discovered and how? How do these how do these things lead to, you know, your your career uh, with within the movie industry? Well, everything's all connected, of course. Mm -hmm. um, well, I went from you know basic D and D, like you said, into other games. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. AD and D was first, and then it started to collect everything I could. Then, and then it was like Gamma World and a few other early early releases back th back then in the day. 
And then uh, I discovered friends in school who shared an interest in gaming, but also shared an interest in making movies. And so uh, seventh grade, we formed a little film club. At the same time, we were playing D&D, but we, we formed a group and we started shooting Super 8 movies. And so we shot a lot, a lot of ridiculous films, uh, which we still have. They're, they're around. Someday they'll make it online. And oh uh, so we shot a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of stuff on film. Then we discovered video and that changed everything. And we just kept shooting stuff. And then it got to the point where we all collectively agreed that eventually we'd wind up in the film industry. It was just going to happen somehow. And one of my best friends went off to uh, film school. I did not. I actually went, uh, went did theater and, and radio and TV production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and this was all on the East Coast. But then my best friend preceded me to L.A. And I moved out about two years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was right after I graduated from college. And the right. next thing I know, I mean, literally the second, the day after I moved to L.A., I was already working for a special effects company as a as a gopher, you know, just running errands. And then that led to being trained to machine parts for animatronic puppets mm-hmm. and painting and all sorts of other stuff. And the rest was sort of history for a long time. And I wound up working on several oh, B and C grade movies, <laughs> D grade movies. Uh, I worked for like Roger Corman and and Full Moon Productions, if anybody oh. knows them, the Puppet Master movies and things like that. I worked on a few of those. Yes. And uh, yeah, and then it went into exiting that industry for a while and working in television as a writer producer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the list goes on and on and on. So that's right. sort of how that all came together. The funny thing is, is that my friends who I gamed with as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, we still game together. Um oh. One of them That's is in awesome. Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, but another one still lives here in L.A. And we get together. As a matter of fact, we get together every Thursday night and play face to face games. We play role playing games face to face. And he's one of my friends from back east. And we're still still good friends. That is awesome. So what are you two currently playing out of curiosity? Our Thursday night group primarily play Savage Worlds, um, okay. just because everybody in the group is really comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of one shots. So we we tend to experiment. We'll either try our own settings or we'll, you know, dip into licensed settings or of course all the uh, the various official line uh, settings that have been produced, including three that I've done. And mm-hmm. uh but uh let's see. So right now I'm running uh Savage Worlds Pathfinder. Uh, we'll also play Deadlands, Deadlands Noir, Dead End, which is a zombie game. We play uh, a homebrew Star Wars, a homebrew Star Trek, and all of them are 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 Savage Worlds based. Not to say that we won't play other games. We all right. own hundreds and hundreds of different RPGs, but but for the most part, we do Savage Worlds. So let Excellent. me so let me ask you this. So uh, this comes up on social media all the time since you mentioned one shot. So define a one shot. All right, for <laughs> listeners, because one shot apparently means something different to everybody. So what is y'all's definition of a one shot? I mean, so there are a couple different types of one shot that we do. I mean, there's, there's certainly the one that would be like a convention game that you're going to go in and we're going to throw some pre-gens on the table and we'll just run a four hour session or a three hour session. And there will be hopefully a conclusion to that game. So um, we do we do some of those. Uh, the first time I ran Pine Box Middle School for them, I used the pre-gens right out of the out of the game. Uh, but we also will do uh, games where we'll all create characters and just have these one evening sessions. Mm-hmm. So we just did a, a Star Trek one 
that was a it was literally actually we've done two star treks so far uh and those have been a lot of fun and we we have two characters we have a bridge crew and then we have a an away team crew and so we run two characters simultaneously and bounce back and forth and that's a lot of fun uh but yeah so we'll either run them like i say with pre-gens just like a con game or we'll bring these characters back periodically we'll advance them accordingly but they'll still just be one evening two three four hour games so that's okay. how we do them. Okay, that's cool. I'm always curious about different people's perspective on what a one shot is because sometimes it's a short two or three evening story arc that's a one shot or a four hour session or just in one evening. And then like you guys, you know, put the characters on the shelf and then take them down a few months later and play yep. them again. And <laughs> you kind know. Of we do all of that, I think. <laughs> the exception I, I tend right to do now, that too, so. Yeah, our, the only exception for our group right now is that I've been running Pathfinder and I'm actually taking them through the, the published adventures. So we okay. are running that right. as a campaign, but we only do Pathfinder like once a month. The other okay. games are all just our one evening single session type stuff. Now, did you have experience with traditional Pathfinder before trying out the Savage Worlds version or was this your first leap into Pathfinder? It was, it was my first leap. I mean, well, that's not hundred percent true. I mean, I did, I played three, Point right. five, and so yeah. <laughs> I at least had. I didn't play three point seven five, as they say, right for Path for Pathfinder right. First Edition anyway. Right, and I did pick up the Second Edition playtest when they released it at Gen Con, and you know gave that a read through, but didn't really play anything with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was, we were really craving doing some fantasy role playing, and mm -hmm. like I said, everybody in my group is a Savage Worlds fan, so it was easy enough to just say, hey, let's just do Pathfinder. And so far, we've been having a blast with it. Yeah. A friend of ours who does streaming, uh, uh, James Chambers of Roleplay, uh, has been streaming the um, the Pathfinder Savage Worlds game for a bit now with uh, one of my friends who lives locally here in you know California. So he'll log on uh, through Zoom or whatever. And you know both of them have a lot of high praise for it. Uh, they, they really, really have been enjoying themselves with it. So um you know and it's 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 good to hear it's it's it is one of those things where you're like you know wait pineapple on pizza are you sure <laughs> I, I don't i don't know but you know people who have taken time and sat down with it uh you know do give it a you know a their thumbs up and their their approval on it and that's it's good to know it's good to yeah. hear yeah it's so definitely did... somebody got chocolate in my peanut butter kind of a situation <laughs> but it winds up being really delicious yeah, yeah, who put pineapple in my Nutella? I mean, come on, what, what is that? Um, so how did you end up? In, how how did you end up with like Savage World? So like, I looked at your your credits on RPG Geek, and I don't know that it's all of the things that you you've worked no, on, but that's what's listed. You. you have credit for there because those are fandom entered things, right? But all but three things are Savage Worlds related, so. How did you get involved with working with Savage Worlds and, and just in general playing Savage Worlds? Like, Right. Okay. Well, so I was a big Deadlands classic fan. Okay. I mm -hmm. just immediately fell in love with that setting. So I had a so pretty significant library of orange spined books for a long time. <laughs> I can appreciate uh, that. And, you know, ro rolling handfuls of dice and all that kind of thing. Um, but there was a weird period around that time where I was playing less and less, uh, just overwhelmed with all sorts of other side projects, not really too much gaming. 
And then I saw this book on the shelf called Savage Worlds. And it was, this was first edition. So this was quite a few years ago. And I, I just blindly picked it up after flipping through the pages. This was at uh, the last going deer that no longer exists here in Burbank. And I flipped through it, bought it. I remember sitting outside having like getting Starbucks and just like flipping through this book and going, I think this is clicking already for me. And it was a fairly slender volume, but it was a hardcover, all black and white, the old, the first edition. And oh, yeah. we, we tried it. And, and then of course, as when we really enjoyed it, we, we liked what it was doing. And it also was one of those things where, you know, I was at, I say at that age, this was like 20 plus years ago, um, where it was like, okay, well, I'm starting this, you know, slow down, step away from the gaming thing, but maybe this one will work. Maybe because a lot of the other stuff was so burdensome. It was just these colossal tomes that were coming at us. And I was just not really into reading tons of more rules and it became more like math and right. <laughs> accountant, you know, accounting, counting. I, I understand uh, the math finder problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we, yeah, we tried Savage Worlds. We really liked it. Then of course, uh, when Deadlands Reloaded came out, which was the first Deadlands iteration using Savage Worlds, that 100% worked and my group loved it. And we just had a blast and it was like, oh, I get this now. I understand this system. And so I started picking up everything that was coming out just okay. blindly wantonly getting whatever popped up on the shelf even licensed properties at that time which wasn't too many and uh and what happened was i was in the forums in the pinnacle uh site and i noticed that triple ace games had announced that their editor was stepping on stepping down hmm. and that day well that hour i immediately responded and said hey i'm an editor i i you know maybe i could help you out and i got a i got word from um it might have been Wiggy at the time, Paul Wiggy Wade Williams. I think he reached out to me directly and said, hey, listen, I've got one manuscript here. You know, we could do a like sort of a test and, and see how you work out. So he sent it to me. And I think it was one of their daring tales of adventure. And I, okay. I did a quick edit pass on that and sent it back. And they were like, okay, well, would you like to do more? <laughs> and so, of course, I had had no previous RPG editing experience. I have a problem with saying no. Let's let's oh, I know preface all of this. <laughs> let's have a break here. So whenever whenever I've had up any opportunities to do work, whether in the film industry, gaming industry, uh, mm -hmm. more often than not, they'll somebody will come to me and say, "Hey, can you do this?" And I usually just say, "Yeah, of course I can." And mm -hmm. then I quickly learn how. Um, and that was the same case with with RPG stuff. It was like, well, I I've played games. Surely I can do this. And I'm also a writer. I had written plenty. And uh, this is this is actually skipping my whole time working for Warner Brothers and stuff. We'll, maybe we'll go back to that. Um, and uh, so I said, yeah. And then I, I took more on and they started sending me checks and I, I started working on stuff. I wound up doing, I think, editing something like 50 manuscripts for AAA's games. I mean, just a wow. huge quantity. Wow. A lot of that stuff were short adventures or whatever, but they would then compile them into, I mean, I they did like, um, I have here this, I don't know if you can see it, but it, this is like mm -hmm. one of their daring tales of a sprawl compendium. And this was right. the first one where everything in, in this book I edited and my name's in the front there. And mm -hmm. I did a bunch of their stuff for Hellfrost and yeah. other daring tales stuff. And I did a Necropolis, whatever their Necropolis game was. I edited one of their book, those books. And it just, that's just sort of how that happened. And then that led to Shane finding out, Shane of P Pinnacle Entertainment Group, Shane Hensley, yep. finding out that I was editing other stuff. And I don't know how that actually happened. And uh, I got a chance to edit, do an edit pass on uh, the Hell on Earth Reloaded, 
So oh, the Deadlands, nice. Deadlands not on Earth Reloaded. Yes. And I did that, and then that led to editing Deadlands Noir. So I edited that for John Goff. And the next thing that happened after that was Shane said, do you want to write an RPG? <laughs> and I said, yes, of course. I'm very experienced with that. And I quickly learned how to write an RPG. Um, <laughs> well, and, now we know. <laughs> and that's how I got the six gun, which was uh, was the yes. first one. And and little side note here. So the six gun is based on a really awesome graphic novel series uh, oh, by Cullen yeah. Bunn, uh, published by Oni Press. If you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to track down the graphic novels. They're fantastic. It's a, I'm going to go to the comic shop this weekend and go look for it. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Colin I mean, Bunn usually... stuff is fantastic. Oh, he's so great. Yeah, he's so great. And the, and the Six Gun stuff is is absolutely wonderful. And one of the things that happened, it was a funny little side note, was that Shane said, hey, Scott, are you familiar with the Six Gun? And I said, yeah, I love that series. I had never read a page of it. What are, you <laughs> are you serious? Like, of course, I quickly did read all of it and fell in love with it. Thank goodness. But um, oh, but yeah, honestly, sometimes you just got to fib a little bit. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. That that's, exactly. sounds sounds kind of like my career, too, in, in so many different ways and whatnot. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have to, became we have an to be brave in the role playing game industry. Ooh, should I not say that? On there? No, I'm just hey, I mean, you, you, both of you obviously have, you know, uh, paid your dues, so to speak. So it's, it's okay to make, yeah. make confessions, you know, as, as they say, yeah. you know, better to, um, uh, you know, better to what's, how's the saying go? It's, a, it's better to regret the, the whole regret thing. Is that what you're saying? Regret I, I think it, you, ha you have done than to regret something you haven't done. That or no, it's better to, uh, I asked for ask, forgiveness ap and permission. Yeah. It's better to ask for forgiveness <laughs> and permission sometimes. Right um yeah. yes yeah that but uh but no that that's interesting that's very interesting and and i would dare say that um you know there's there's probably quite a few out there that uh may not admit it but uh may have taken that same path um and i and in fact i think i think we know a few people that have confessed to that uh you know in confidence and online chats and then you know in the uh, sure. online pub that we go to so we won't we won't name names but yeah, there, there's, there, there's the occasional going of, hey, I'm working on this. I know nothing about it. Um, you know, <laughs> you, we, no, you know, I, we're I mean, fast learners. That's, yes, that's what it comes down. Now, for Scott's benefit, since he's well versed in Savage Worlds, and I don't, I don't know how many times I've said this on on air, like in episodes, but forty two. Uh, <laughs> this might be forty three. Then I don't know. We're on. A, we're only on episode twenty three, Scott. I'm not the biggest fan of Savage Worlds. I don't know if I've said that on the air, but apparently you've listened to all the episodes, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, you um, said it. I have? Okay, good. <laughs> I've said it. Now I'm saying it again. I come from a background where I have played it. I have enjoyed some games. Um, Scott and I have a friend, Debbie, who I know you're aware of because I know she's uh, fallen in love with the... Um, East Texas University. East, yeah, East Texas U, and she's and, looking forward to Pine Box Middle. And, right. you know, and I enjoyed when she ran it, and I, I enjoyed playing it. it. It's just not a game that, like, has, like, mechanically super clicked for me. But I am, I, I'm acquainted with Clint Black and his wife Jody and their daughter. And I used to run a convention here in coastal South Carolina. They used to come run Savage Saturdays for me at my convention. It used to be a very prominent thing at my convention here, and it used to draw lots of people just to come play Savage World. So I know it's super popular. People love it. I love some of the things Pinnacle has done in terms of 
you know the themes like Deadlands Noir. I love the concept of the of the noir game. Um, the the Weird Wars one, the uh, Weird Wars Rome. Um, but none of it's other than the noir has really clicked with me. But it's I, I don't know. Maybe it's the mechanics. It just never clicked with me. But I don't know. That's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's totally fine. I mean, there's plenty of games that people are playing out there right now that are hugely popular. <clears throat> Fifth edition um, <laughs> that I don't care. Yeah. For. I've, Sorry, uh, I got a little know, on my chin. <laughs> I played. Uh, I played in a short campaign, fifth edition campaign. I respect the game, yeah, uh, sure. but it just didn't work for me. I just. Right. I, I, I found myself struggling to try to figure out, you know, feats and this and that, and it, it was like, what? I just want to like roll dice and make things happen. Yeah. And right. I wasn't being allowed to do that because right. there were just so many layers to it. So for for that reason, fifth edition didn't work for me. A lot of indies don't work for me. I find them to be sort of one hit wonders uh, everyone goes crazy oh. and bonkers over certain indies and i'm like well that's a fun one-time party game yeah. but mm -hmm. then i never i'm never going to revisit that and so yeah and I fate that did not work for me either mm -hmm. fate absolutely did not work for me uh -huh. um and i did the most embarrassing thing <laughs> one of the most embarrassing things for me in the gaming industry i uh, i was on a happy jacks episode mm -hmm. and uh i was playing fate i was brought in to play fate it was my first time and i was struggling even though, you said, even though you said, even though you said you, even though you said you, you did play it previously, but go. <laughs> no, no, I did not. That one, okay. I did say that it was my first time. And I, but I was, it was yeah. just, you know, it was one of those things where the other people at the table were having a blast and they had had mm -hmm. a lot of experience with it, but it didn't work for me. And I think yeah. that's one of the great things about our hobby is that because there are so many different types of games out there, something there is definitely something for everyone. Right. And and. Yep. Right now in my life, Savage Worlds still works for me. I love mm -hmm. all the toys. I love cards and bennies and, you know, I, I'm a minis guy. So I always have maps and minis on my table. I like that sort of tactical aspect of the game, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not for everyone. I mean, and I play right. other games too. So, yeah. Right. Now I, yeah. I will, I will absolutely say that I, I, I respect the game. I, I think it, people that play it and enjoy it. Now there are certain people that, in my circle of friends and, and acquaintances that I will give absolute shit to um, because it's fun to antagonize them. And if they're playing Savage Worlds Pathfinder, they I double down on giving them shit because it's it, it's that much more fun. James, I'm, I'm talking to you um, just because I love giving them shit and I love you, James. Um, but I'm not a Pathfinder fan. Like, you know, I played 3.75 first edition Pathfinder and I needed a PhD in mathematics just to play <laughs> after about the third supplement and I quit playing it at that point. Mm. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I'm not opposed to going back and, and, and re-engaging with Savage Worlds. I think there's something to it. And like, I, I enjoyed my time playing with Debbie and I told Debbie if she ran another game of ETU or when Pinebox Middle delivers from the uh, from the Kickstarter that she backed, um, I would totally like jump in on another game, especially if Scott's character um, <clears throat> rejoins. Oh the, God, yes, the story. I, I I've been I've been exercising my glutes. She is ready to go. <laughs> Got a oh, new pair of Daisy God. Dukes and everything. Um, uh, in her chaps, right? Yeah. So so 
it's a different experience for me with with Savage Worlds, and you know, it, it's I enjoy the game. Um, you know, obviously, this is you know, no slight against Keith, like you said. People enjoy what they what they enjoy, and the most important thing you can do is you know don't take offense to that. If someone doesn't like something you don't like in in the hobby, I, I never understood that you know that that kind of that affront. You know, I don't I don't like Pathfinder. Well, why? Give me a good reason why. It's like no, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, and you, I'll just you know you can curse on here if you like if that's your thing. Don't worry about that. Uh, but uh, the thing with with um, with Savage Worlds. Sorry, if I said Pathfinder, I meant Savage Worlds. The thing with Savage Worlds is it's it's got a special place for me because one, after my son had and his friends discovered Fifth Edition when they were younger, and they were looking to move on to something, we we tried a couple things, and I think I may have overstepped. You know, we I they were way too young, and I was way too stupid to uh, to figure out uh, Conan two D twenty when I first got it. Um, <laughs> I likewise, you know, I, I purchased um, just because I'd like to look at the cover. I knew nothing about it. I did buy Blades in the Dark, and that was a colossal failure with young kids, as it oh should be. Oh, my God. Uh, but we got Savage Worlds, and not only did it did it click with them, but we got Deadlands, and it just clicked. It clicked for me. It clicked for them. They enjoyed it. We played so many games of it. We, you know, ran a little mini, mini campaign. And I think that that was kind of like the um, uh, the Rosetta Stone with them. Like after they kind of grasped that, you know, we ventured to a couple of other things and things just became easier, you know, as opposed. And then, and then likewise, one of the things that they enjoyed was is it seemed to be, you know, easier to grasp and comprehend over 5e. The kind of stuff that they wanted to do in 5e that kind of had to be implemented uh, aside from the rules was was baked into savage worlds they right. wanted that that pulp aspect they wanted the crazy thing they 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 wanted to you know they wanted to be sitting across from that cowboy take their toothpick out of their mouth flick it in his eye and explode that die and and you know essentially make that toothpick go right through his skull and they cheered and loved it and so it's got a little special place in, in my heart for that but the other thing that that I found out with my discovery you know as I delve deeper into it, is one of the things that I, I found about Savage Worlds is, you know, there's there's a lot of wonderful settings, you know, in there. But for whatever reason, they have they have probably one of the best resources, in my opinion, of licensed properties. Uh, some of the things that that has been produced for Savage Worlds by, you know, either through Pinnacle or maybe, you know, third party just is superb. I mean, you know, um, you know, I know there's been kind of derivatives of it, but you know, the uh, when I discovered that there was a Solomon Kane setting, mm-hmm. uh, I you know jumped through hoops to try to get it. You know, they they took their hand with Lankmar, they took their hand with with so many different things, and it just you know, it, and it just you know, it leans himself so much better to these to these different genres and properties. And, and no offense to those of you who tried it, than some of the others out there. I, I think I think the only one out there. That kind of can handle that that pulpy sword and sorcery aspect in certain genres would be like Dungeon Crawl Classics, you know. Um, you know with, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bravo. So, but I'm a, I'm but, a big D- DCC fan. So. Oh yeah, I we mean, all are. Yeah, it's good. So so yeah, I mean, and and, and it's, <clears throat> but again, you know, the if you know Keith, you know, if you know Keith doesn't, if Keith takes exception to it, I know he's joking. If there's someone out there in the world that, you know, that that takes exception to, to someone not liking 
uh, Savage Worlds. I mean, please, <laughs> you know, just 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 take take a chill pill. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, I, don't, so I would it, never be like that. I, I yeah. my whole thing is that as long as it brings you to the table and mm -hmm. has you gaming, you can play whatever the fuck you want. I really don't right. care. Right. Um, and that's and what it boils so, down to. Absolutely, hundred percent. And if it's and if I'm playing something and loving it, and it's not your game, yeah, go play something else. And or you know, join us at the table and give it a shot. I, right, I think right. one of you I know in one of your previous shows had said something about making a point of trying stuff that you know it, all the at cons or whatever that you've never played before. Mm -hmm. And I think that was me. Yeah, it might have been you, Keith. Um, yeah. some, sometimes you have to you have to actually look at something that maybe you think won't work for you and and, yep. do, and give that a try as well right because uh, that is that is when i go to cons uh, unless there is are there, there are no other options i will specifically build out my play schedule for for games that i have never played before for two reasons one i want to try new things right new experiences with new people and new games uh actually three things uh, for that reason, uh, I want to find new things, new new things that I, I find that I maybe I can be passionate about, right? New games that I like. I'd like to keep a running total of new games that I've played in that calendar year, right? So did I play 10 new games this year or 20 new games or just three? <laughs> you know, right. that's my chance to do it, whether it's an online convention or a face-to-face -face convention at Gen Con or Origins or wherever I get to that year. So. Yep. I strive for that. That that is my goal at conventions. Unless there are just no real good options, and I will go to my you know old favorites, my standbys, DCC, old school D and D. You know, it. it I will. I would not. What's that? Tingle. Did you say GURPS? It's a Tingleverse. No, he said Tingleverse. Tingleverse. I would do Tingleverse. <laughs> totally do Tingleverse. Yes. Um. You know, but I would go to games that I've played before that I've enjoyed over games that I have played before that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah, um, I don't think I would do too much of that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I really didn't like, yeah. So that and that actually brings me to another question. So in your RPG Geek credits are giving credit for a for a scenario in a game that I absolutely love. And it is not Torg Eternity. Kids on Bikes. Kids on Bikes. <laughs> I love this fucking game. So you so, have, I see you have the hardcover, so you have the one that I has have my everything they've it. published. Yeah. Okay. Not the second for first edition. I did not back the second edition because I didn't think it warranted me spending more money for a few minor changes. So, sorry, spoiler alert on that one. Um, nope. So how? I'll buy it. What's that? I said you'll buy it eventually. Uh, I will. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, sure you will. I'm yeah. a fan boy. But my question is how? How did you get? Uh, so your RPG geek credits, like I said previously, were, are all but three things are Savage Worlds, and we've talked about that. So how did you get involved in writing a scenario for Kids on Bikes, which was originally for the Kickstarter for the Deluxe Edition book? Right. I'm, I'm quite curious. Um, you know. <laughs> so tell that's, me. That's that one is shrouded in mystery to to some extent as well. I um Let's talk. I think I just had interaction with the, with a couple of the guys on that project. And um and it was one of those things where at the time the six gun might've been out. I mean, I'm trying to remember if flash was already out as well, or maybe we had done the Kickstarter for flash. So I was very active online promoting games and stuff that I had written. Okay. And I know they were trying to wrangle a bunch of sort of newer talent uh, to contribute uh, as, as Kickstarter stretch goals. Right. 
so they threw a few friends of mine in it's possible that um one of them had suggested me okay uh, but honestly i didn't go seeking that one that one actually came to me which was awfully oh, okay nice. that's cool um and it's frustrating now because there's stuff in that module that I would have loved to have used in Pinebox Middle School. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, okay. but I'm I'm ethical when it comes to you know use, and I know that you know those those are in kids on bikes now. Um, I may have adapted a few little minor things. So but yeah. So tell us and listeners about uh, Spicerville, New York. Is it's that, my hometown? Is it okay? Yeah. I was curious. Is that so? Is that you my hometown. Yeah, I'm upstate New York. My hometown is actually Spencerport. Okay. Um, I had a, when I was growing up, one of my best friends used to call it Spencerville. So that kind of just devolved into Spicerville. And a lot of the things, both in Kids on Bikes and in that module anyway, and in Pine Box Middle School, are based on my childhood. Um, I've had discussions about this in previous podcasts, and people thought I was deranged. But uh, a lot of those things were either childhood sort of urban fantasy stories urban urban what's it what's that urban legends or sorry urban legends okay. uh mm -hmm. although i came from a you know a, a cornfield infested little village uh so not really urban uh but we had a whole bunch of crazy stories about the area that wound up being adapted for both projects and and then some were personal beliefs that i had as a child so wait, uh, so so let's clarify so where you grew up in BFE New York, you had Colts, Demonic Possessions, Drowning, and Hosts. Okay, that's good to yeah. know. Yeah, we had plenty okay. of those. Yeah. Sounds like where I grew up in Massachusetts. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple <laughs> things that didn't wind up in either of the projects that I, I, <laughs> I will bring up at some point. But uh, no, I mean, you know, my whole thing was growing up in a very rural environment. Uh, we And we, of course, were the generation where we would just go, you know, crack a dawn, wander away from the house, disappear until the sun went down, if not later. Our parents had no idea where we were, how to get in touch with us. Fact. You know, we might as well just have walked off into, and that would have been it. You know, good. Maybe there's a chance we'll come home. Who knows? But my whole thing was that I grew up with a lot of forests, a lot of woods, a lot of abandoned houses, um, all that kind of stuff. And so I would go off and just explore those things on my own. And when you're doing that at that age, that ripe young age, and you're yeah. playing D and D, and you're, you know, you're in the move, you know, horror films and stuff, you you start to develop these scenarios in your head. You know, what's out here? What's in this forest? What's going to be in that house I go into? What did I just see over there? Well, let's fill in the gaps. And the, a lot of those things sort of stuck around. And yeah. uh, so I have a, a thing in Pine Box Middle School, for example. Uh, it's a it's an adventure about the Greenleys, uh, which is a family name. But when I was a kid, I thought I swore up and down that that there were these green men that would <laughs> climb outside off the roof of my of my uh, the townhouse I grew up in, and they would climb down the water drain and try to to suck my soul out or something. And and if I didn't look at them, they wouldn't. I could, if they couldn't see my eyes, they wouldn't be able to. So all this stuff, you know, you you just you draw all awesome. these weird little childhood memories and and you know fucked up story time story that things that like come up in your head and you turn them into adventure scenarios and and, and settings now and i so understand the touchstones yeah. that you have in this scenario which are uh children of the corn and yep. um children of the stones the tv minis the british tv mini oh yeah yeah i totally get really it messed now. Up show yeah um totally get it that's awesome and they all yeah. gave you the willies and that's why i added the willies i love kids on bikes uh, i fell in love with it um I never backed the original. Like I, I found it kind of by happenstance. I, I found it. And when I did, 
I was all in on it. I'm like, I got to find it. I got the deluxe edition. I got the, the, the free RPG day scenario. Was it like Maple street or whatever it is? And I got the second scenario book for it. I, I absolutely love the game. Now they're my the greatest cards. enemy. <laughs> What's that? Now they're my greatest enemy because <laughs> we, right. our, our Kickstarters were running at the exact same time. Yeah. Pine Bucks Middle yeah. School and, and Kids on Bikes. So for a while, we were doing better than they were. And of course, I was cheering us on. But um, And then they wound up beating us by a little bit. But we still had a very successful Kickstarter. We were like 170000 It wasn't bad. That's awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love I love the dueling Kickstarter. Yeah, though, the dueling but... Kickstarter. Oh, that was funny. If you go, uh, if you watch one of those, I think it might we might have actually mentioned it in both live streams because we did a live stream at the at the top of the Kickstarter and then one right. at the at the close, and and inevitably we discussed our race, <laughs> our war that was going on in friendliest terms possible. But um, that's yeah, we we were talking about how they were we were kind of friendly rivals, and I'm sure they were thinking the same thing on their side. Oh, you 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 could you could totally take the uh, the cut scene from. Um... Uh, the uh, the lightsaber battle between uh, you know Anakin and Obi Wan and just superimpose your logos on each face and just right. you know <laughs> yep. I've got for the a while high we had the high ground <laughs> right I just want to say for the record though not not that I'm even remotely in the same league I have written a kids on bike scenario that I that I released for Patreon for the my rolling box cars my blogs Patreon that was supposed to I think in 2022 uh the hunter entertainment was supposed to release on their friday friday free freebies they were mm-hmm. gonna uh, as an agreement for them to do my layout i don't know if it ever got released through them or mm-hmm. not but i agreed to let them do that if they did my layout and their font you know using their font and all of that stuff right so i don't know it's funny you bring happened. up hunter because um i uh, ivan van norman and i we go back quite a few years as well so nice yeah, it's it's kind of, that's a very strange thing having get meeting up with Ivan and his mother at a bar in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, <laughs> okay, I have so many tangential stories to my my life. They're oh my god, yeah, strange. wow, okay. <laughs> so so I've got a question. You know, I, I I brought up licensed products with Savage Worlds uh, a little bit back, and you uh, handled a very large one. To be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. And, you know, not only is it a, it's a well-known license, it is probably one of the oldest sci-fi IPs out there. Um, and so the Flash Gordon thing, uh, how did that fall into your lap? Um, and I, I'm curious on, you know, what was the process? Because you obviously there's quite a bit of information out there uh, and your Flash Gordon seems to be traditionally uh, you know, more of the traditional old school Flash Gordon, but it does seem to, it looks like you may have mixed, you know, some of the other aspects of it. I, I seem to recall, I see a little bit of the, you know, obviously the movie in there and even some of the, the old, was it the old eighties cartoon and stuff that that's, oh, that's yeah. mix, mixed in there also. <laughs> um, but, but how, what was the, I mean, obviously a lot of research had to be involved in that. So what, what was the process that you did with that after you said, yes, I know everything about Flash Gordon, and then had to go find out 
everything about Flash Gordon. Right. <laughs> he, had to learn, he had to read Flash Gordon, watch Flash no, no, Gordon. No, 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 no. So right. I was a Flash Gordon fan. Trust oh, okay. fantastic. On this one, 100%. I oh. grew up with Flash Gordon. I grew up with the serials. I was a huge fan of the cartoon. When mm-hmm. I was a kid, I wanted to be Thun the Lion Man just yes. so I could beat up the bullies in school. Um, and so I, I was a Flash Gordon fan through and through. I had read the tons of comics, the original strips, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was one where Flash, or where, excuse me, where Shane, Shane is Flash in my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Shane Hensley from from Pinnacle did reach out and said, you know, what's your familiarity with Flash Gordon? And I said, I'm an enormous fan of Flash Gordon. And he said, well, we oh. got the we got the license. And would you like to do it? And of course, again, without hesitation, I said, yes, absolutely, 100%. But like you said, it was 80 plus years of IP (laughs) and history. And I mean, going back to the original strips and then the radio serials and the film serials with Buster Crab and the 1950s, you know, German co-produced TV serials and the 80s cartoon and the comics and the, you know, spinoff after spinoff. And you'll notice I'll never mention the sci-fi channel, uh, live action series <laughs> i just mentioned it so we can move on now that's we'll that moving on not, out. does not in any way appear in the flash gordon role-playing game what does actually appear in, in some f- minor little form are nods to the x-rated flesh gordon but nobody <laughs> in the world wait wait hold on you have my interest in savage worlds now <laughs> flesh gordon hold on let's yeah, talk gordon. about this so oh, if you've if oh. you've never seen it, I do encourage you to track it down. Yes, it was it was made in the seventies. It's it's a it's an X rated film. I mean, by today's standards, it's like a heavy R, if that. Right. Okay. Um, but back then it was an X rated film. It's very funny. Um, the character names are hysterical. the The spaceship designs are great. The monsters are amazing. Uh, there's stop motion animation from legendary animators in the film industry. A lot of people in the film industry cut their teeth on that movie, mm-hmm. and um, so there are nods to Harryhausen with certain creatures. Track it down. You will enjoy it. Um, it's a blast. But I did, my whole thing was when I was writing Flash Gordon, my goal was to have something in there for every fan of Flash Gordon. And it was a chore. It really was. It was years, literally, I think I spent a year or two reading and digesting everything I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. So that was every strip, even running through the 50s and 60s and and sometimes later. I have collections over here on the shelves. Uh, And again, listening to all the radio serials and taking copious notes, I had spreadsheets that just go on for miles um, and trying to build my bestiary out of stuff from the comics. And also, as I said, trying to bring in something from everything. And that did include a few things from the 1980 film as well. Right. So not only did we get Sam Jones to write the forward to the Corb rule book, which right. was, that was an amazing awesome. thing for us to have for, 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 nice. you know, for us to get. Um, but he wrote that. And then, um, but I also have little nods in there, even though they're not direct nods, because we did have some concerns about the film perhaps being tied up with Universal or whatever studio owns it at this point. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were like, well, stick to the stuff that's strictly King features. Let's not go with the more recent comic books because those are like Dynamite and I think IDW or something had another mm-hmm. run. So we didn't really go to use those. But I'm telling you, everything else was fair game. And awesome. that even included like reading novels that were published in the 80s and 70s that mm-hmm. very few people have read. And so there's things from those books that are in our bestiary. There's, and there are, there are things from the movie. Like I said, if you go into our, um, 
our psionic section, uh, you'll see the symbol that's on uh, Clytus's chest. And we do have, I mean, our figure, our punch out figures and miniatures, we did do effectively a Clytus, but we never referred to it as Clytus. Right. Uh, and we came up with why Clytus and, um, oh God, why well, I was totally spacing on her name. Um, oh gosh, another character from Flash Gordon. Anyway, they have very similar symbols on their chest. They wear black. I came up with how psionic characters have to regenerate, and that's why Clytus turns to goo at the end of the movie and uh, all this kind of stuff. So in every possible way, I wanted to put something in there for every stripe of, of Flash Gordon fan. And it's been a lot of fun because I, I belong to a variety of Flash Gordon groups mm -hmm. online, including comic groups and right. film groups. And, and everybody who's picked up the book has caught all the little things I've put in there that have not been nods to there. Even defenders of the earth. Is that in there somewhere? No, no defenders <laughs> of the earth. Yeah. I skipped that one as well, but That's the filmation, fine. uh, was it filmation? The filmation anim animated series definitely yeah. shows up except for season two when oh, I introduced the pink dragon gremlin. That's I couldn't, another story. I couldn't tell you where I got them from. Cause obviously it wasn't movie related, but it was probably around the time the movie was out, but I distinctly remember my parents, you know, getting, these these little six inch Flash Gordon figures because I remember having the you know the Lion Man of Mongo, uh, I had you know Prince uh, Volton. I don't think I had Flash Gordon, but uh, these were obviously these were nods to the Flash Gordon series. But these weren't you know they didn't have that in the movie. I know I had them. I'm not crazy, uh, but uh, bananas. But I, but I no, couldn't. They, they did action figures. Yeah, but yeah. I just I I couldn't. But they weren't. Unless they were like just movie related and they just added stuff to it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do re re recall having those. And you know, obviously they were mixed in with Star Wars and everything else. But but yeah, that was that's a distinct point in time from my memory is any anytime I, you know, I see a, a, a Flash Gordon reference to the, you know, the the, you know, the Lion Men, um, I'm like, oh, the figure. That's right. That's yeah. that's that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's it's obvious that it, it's that what you've done. And, you know, and, and, and all parties involved, this was this was a, uh, you know, done with love and care, a passion project, uh, very much in the same, you know, in the same vein that, you know, like Modifius did with Conan and John Carter of Mars. It wasn't just, you know, here's a license and we're just going to, you know, just throw the periphery of information in there. There's backgrounds and information and, and, and all this stuff where it's done to to honor, uh, you know, the uh, the IP and, and, and the genre it represents. So. A round of applause. I mean, another savage, big savage world's friends, a uh, friend of mine, uh, Matt. You know, uh, Matt Kraft absolutely loves. You know, he went out of his way to buy the uh, the Savage Worlds Flash Gordon box set uh, to the point where it arrived, and he con he contacted me and he was just you know distraught. You know, I and I ordered the box set with the hardback, and it and it arrived with, with a soft soft back. What? Did yeah, James do the same thing? I don't think I don't know if James did, but he contacted them and they said, "Well, replace it, no problem." And and of course, I said, "So, uh, what do you what are you doing with those softbacks?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they're on my shelf now. And um, well, yeah. The, so if we cross paths, I'll make sure I sign them for you. Make sure. You oh, excellent. Along, so. Excellent. We'll oh, yeah, absolutely. Out. No, I mean we're we're not so far apart. Uh, you no. know, it's it's it's. On, on a good day, it's, you know, I've I've driven out to the Burbank area on a good day. I mean, 3 a.m., I can get there in 30 minutes or less. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's wow. not, it's, OK, it's it's not like it's not like, you know, you live in San Francisco. But but no, that's 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 technically I mean, I won't be able to see you, but I will be in your in your area, area, generally speaking. 
uh, next month because my my one friend Andy Markham, who lives in New York, he's come out to visit, and we're going to be playing a game with some of his friends out in L.A. when he comes out. And of course, at some point in time, I am going to make the trek to the the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society to play in one of their games that they run every once in a while. That's uh, literally down the street from me. Like band- I drive by there all the time. God, I, I, I feel like I'm so like out of the loop living out here <laughs> in the East Coast in coastal South Carolina, where like this is like an inbred country. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, this is I mean, horrible out here. We're not no. that special because I mean, no. you know, we we at least Scott and I we we do get the three. I mean, you got like cons. out there, you got Rodeo Drive, you have movie stars, um, not inbred rednecks. I don't with, think I've ever you know, driven Rebel down flags. Rodeo Drive, but <laughs> I, I, me either. I mean, I, I've been down the Sunset Strip when I was younger yeah. several times, but but I mean, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, we've got all I, that California stuff. I mean. You know, it's it is one of it is wonderful wonderful things. I mean, I live and grew up. You know, I live closer to Disneyland and grew up in Anaheim, and so I don't know what your experience is with it, Scott. But it, it tends to be the typical SoCal thing. It's like, oh my God, you live near Disneyland, don't you go all the time? Now there are a lot of I Disney, do. yeah, I mean, <laughs> Disney aficionados. But I mean, I did for a long time. But it it was one of those things where it always seemed like, well, yeah, it's there. We you know, either either yeah, I go all the time, or it's like I just you know go maybe more like the beach. The beach may be one of those things too, depending on where you live. But right, you know, all those all those things that you know you take advantage of, and people come out. But it's Disneyland. It's right there. It's like yeah, I go when I go, and it's like right, how do you yeah. resist? You know, I'm an you Inspire know. key holder, so yes. magic key holder. So we go pretty frequently, and, and amusingly, Sunday we were at the beach. So, oh yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, I live 20 minutes from the 25, 30 minutes from the beach. I, I don't ever go to the beach. Eh, but That's all right. What? I, so speaking of this town, though, I, I was going to say one other little fun little Flash Gordon side note. Yes. Yeah. Um, we did get a box set when Taika Waititi announced that he was going to be doing a Flash Gordon movie, so we got a box set to him. So, oh, nice. <laughs> I do have so, a Flash Gordon question for you. Yes, though. there we go. I was just going to bring it up for you. You know, I I grew up. You know, I've watched the original Flash Gordon movie growing up as a kid and all of that stuff, and I do watch it from time to time. We have a question for you, and we'll kind of wrap up this episode on this question: uh, Who would win in a fight, Flash Gordon <laughs> or Buck Rogers? Flash Gordon. <laughs> because I'll tell you one of the reasons why. If you, re- tell if you us. look in the old strips, Flash is for at least a couple of years, now about a year, he's like basically wandering around in underpants and he's still taking on villain after villain and amusingly killing them outright. If you go through those original strips, he is just wantonly murdering character one after another. It really is underwear. A, a joke. Okay. And it, yeah, basically in a, in a pair of underpants. Um, and there's a, a frequent method of murder <laughs> that he employs, which is hurling people to their death. It almost got to a point where I was going to do a setting rule about like a special action you could do where you could hurl people. <laughs> I do have a, ref- a few references in there to hurling, but um, it's I don't know what it was, but but uh, Alex Raymond, who did those original strips, he loved having Flash hurl people to their doom. They, he would throw them in volcanoes, off walls, just constantly lifting people above his head and hurling them. So yeah, that's what would happen with Buck. Buck would just walk up, say hi to Flash, and Flash would hurl him over the side of the <laughs> palace at Ming- Mingo City. So. Well, I'm sure if Lorraine Williams would actually hear this episode, she would 
effing cringe <laughs> hearing that. Well, I mean, and to be fair, uh, you know, the, the original Flash Gordon versus the original Buck Rogers, Flash had a proper spaceship. He wasn't flying around in biplanes and propeller airplanes and whatnot. Fair dues. He, he did it proper. Before the Keith mentioned, we'll be wrapping up here shortly, but there's just one more thing, Scott, I want to want to point out uh, in regards to you and, and your, your geek cred. You, you've authored so many of the, you know, you've authored so many things, you know, you, you're, you're a playwright. Uh, you've got some, you know, you've got some cred Doctor regarding Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Who, um, you know, Dark Shadows. Uh, you work in the movie industry. You, you've you've been involved in so many things. But one other thing that you're involved in that is adjacent, but also may you know light up a lot of you know the R R RPG listeners and likewise maybe even some of the 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 OSR fans that we have is is you've done another book. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot in about regards that. in regards to the movie industry that that focuses upon uh, fantasy within the industry, uh, cinema and sorcery. Sorcery. I have the PDF right here. Can you I tell us a little? My hands. Can you tell us a, a little bit about this book and you know what was it that brought you to uh, to write this book? Uh, I'll try to be as quick as I can because I know we're trying to wrap up. But um, so what happened is my co-author and I uh, we were attending a signing at Dark Delicacies, which is here in Burbank. It's mm -hmm. a, primarily a horror themed bookshop. They carry everything related to horror, books, toys, etc. And there was a, he was here for a signing of a book that he had done, on, I think on zombie films. And we happened to find a signed soundtrack for the movie Deathstalker 2. If you've never seen Deathstalker 2, I 100% urge you to go see it. It's yes. absolutely hysterical. And it's, it's a film that I had a blast writing the chapter on because we do, of course, include it in our book. But mm -hmm. the thing about Deathstalker 2 is that the original script they were supposed to shoot, the director and lead chucked it in the trash and said, listen, if we do this movie, people are going to laugh at us. But if we write something else, we will have people laugh with us. So that's kind of how Deathstalker 2 happened. I was already a fan of Deathstalker 2, saw the signed soundtrack, bought it, and then we started talking. And he had worked on a, a book about zombie films, kind of similar in format to what we did with cinema, cinema and sorcery. And we started talking about, could we do a book uh, that would be focused on the history of, of sword and sorcery movies? Yep. And we started to think about it and the list started to grow of how many films there were. And we started to go back to the, uh, the silent era and work our way up. And we realized, listen, we, if we do this book, we could cover, let's say 50 films in great detail do really detailed chapters. We'll interview writers, directors, actors associated with these films, which you know we had access to. And then we'll do a vast index in the back of the book. And at the same time, we could also potentially introduce some gaming content. Mm -hmm. And of course, that was my suggestion because of course I'm the gaming nerd and my co-author is not. And so I said, listen, what I can do is I could write you know, a uh, detail, uh, say a, a monster or an item or a weapon or a character from each film and give sort of generic stats so you could use it at your game table. We'll include that as part of each chapter. And we'll also include uh, history in the gaming industry for each chapter as well when that film was coming out. So we put together a real nice pitch. And the first publisher we went to was Green Ronin because oh. Green Ronin had done two books on board games uh, one was about family games. One was about, I think, more strategic board games with sort of a, a slight edge on them about, you know, how they fit in with with the game RPG industry and with fans of gaming. Mm -hmm. So we went to them, uh, pitched it, and they immediately said yes. 
They were the first <laughs> publisher we went to. Nice. I mean, nice. I had I had this whole list of publishers we could potentially oh. go to. You know, the, the usual, if you're familiar with publishing and those kind of books, like McFarland is one of them. They do a lot of movie tie-in type books. Right. And uh, yeah, and and uh, Chris Premis from Green Run and said, uh, I love it. I want this book. <laughs> we signed a contract <laughs> and off we went. And that took about five years to put that thing together because, like I said, we had to reach out to a lot of uh, pretty high level people, you know, film directors and screenwriters and, and mm -hmm. music composers and, you know, all these people. And they were all forthcoming. We got so much wonderful oh. feedback. Everybody was sending us, wow. you know, emails, and we got. And uh, oddly, coincidentally, Bert I. Gordon, who directed the and I think wrote the film The Magic Sword, just died today. Oh, and oh, he, wow. even he, in his nineties at the time, uh, responded to my inquiry and sent me all this great information. And he sent me a signed copy of his book. And uh, it, so it was kind of a weird coincidence that he just passed away today. But yeah, and uh, Jim Winorski, who directed uh, Death Stalker Two, John Terleski, who was the the lead who played Stalker, he they he wrote back to us and gave us wow. some great info. Um, uh, oh God, uh, another one, Bill Stout. Uh, he wrote the screenplay, the original screenplay for the movie um, Warrior and the Sorceress, which is uh, a film with David Carradine. It's really a yes. dire film. It's painful to watch. It's awful. Yeah. But he wrote the original <laughs> screenplay and then they, it kind of got stolen from him. And it was a really, really tied up dramatic situation. He wrote back five pages of information telling the story in great detail to the point where I had to say, listen, can we release this stuff i mean is this are we going to libel someone what's going to happen here and he was like nope 100 put it all in your book it's never been sold anywhere else <laughs> so cinnamon sorcery is just loaded with stories that have never have ever been told wow. uh by by people in the film industry for over many many years so yeah that's how that kind kind of all came together we divided up the films amongst each other about 25 each mm -hmm. and uh we're really proud of it it's not a project i would ever want to do again mm -hmm. um it was grueling but I'm I'm very proud of that book. After it five is. years, I can imagine it was. <laughs> yes. We almost did a post-apocalypse film book, but <laughs> unfortunately, a... that no. I was going to air, air some uh, dirty laundry. Unfortunately, no, my co-author and I we don't we're not on speaking terms right now. So oh okay, <laughs> that's oh, okay. an unfortunate thing. But it, we enough. had a great time uh, doing the project yeah. anyway. It is so, a mighty tome. Uh, I mean, it it is almost five hundred pages. Yeah, and yeah, it's beefy. It's a phone book. And, and it, I mean, and just, you know, for those listening, you know, check it out. I mean, you, you, the, the, you can get it through Green Run and you, the PDF is available on drive-thru right now on sale for like $9. Um, and it, I mean, and, and it runs the gamut, as you said, it, it starts, you know, with 1940s Thief of Baghdad and you go as far in the writing of this up to the Hobbit movie. Yeah, um, that's what we stopped. And, and, and encapsulates everything within. And of course, you're, anyone who's going to go through the list who likes the genre of movies, they're going to go, hey, what about this? What about that? But you said you picked 50 movies. Um, so I, I've got a quick comment before, you know, I didn't mean to step on your toes, Keith. Well, I did. No, but, no, you're good. Uh, you're good. No, but but uh, so out, out of these 50, uh, I'm not going to you know ask you for your absolute favorite one, but maybe what were your out of these movies? What is maybe your top two or three favorite of, of these movies that are on this list? That's pretty easy. Uh, okay. Conan the Barbarian. The Schwarzenegger okay. film is yep. it's just excellent. Um, Excalibur. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing about Excalibur is that I first saw it when it came out. My parents were oh, wow. kind enough to take me to go see it, which I'm sure they regretted. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a huge fan of that film. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, I like Legend quite a lot. The Ridley Scott film with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. um, 
Labyrinth is a, is a blast that's in there, mm -hmm. of course. And then there's some lesser known ones. Like I was saying, Deathstalker 2 is just a gem. It's, mm -hmm. it's a hysterical film. Sword and the Sorcerer, another one from oh. uh, directed by Albert Pune, who passed away recently. Now, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Is is Sword and the and the um, uh, oh no, the Warrior and the Sorceress uh, with uh, with Carradine? Is that the one with the three bladed sword that the two no, shoot off of? Okay, that's, that's Sword that's and the a, Sorcerer. That's okay. the one I just recommended. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, that's... Richard Mall plays a, a villain, for, you know, Bull from Night Court. Right. Uh, he, he's in. Oh this. my God, Bull. Um, yes, yeah. yes. 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 He plays oh, uh, Zorsha. Jesus. I think the a sorcerer named Zorsha. Uh, that is a film that where you will actually see a man fall to his death, and oh, we do talk about that in the book. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty horrible, but uh, overall, it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Right. All right. So, um, so one other thing that another thing that you have in here uh, outside of it is you've also added a chapter called a concordance of sword and sorcery, which is I kind of think that's one of those things like maybe. You know, a lot of the, you know, those fans of that genre, you know, the the more of the pulpy sword and sorcerer aspects in there. And that that includes many more things in the movies, does it not? Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember which section that would have been. Uh, it's I mean it's it's near the end. Uh, so a concordance of sword and sorcery movies, 1924 to 2015. It, and I think it just gives a brief paragraph. It includes some of the movies that you have in your top 50, but it does seem to get, give a little breakdown you know, as far as other ones that would fall under that. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, oh, the yeah. adventures so, of Baron Munchausen and, and things such as that. That That is our complete index. So okay. I think there's hundreds of movies that that just did not get selected, but we did have to go through there and uh, through vast resources to try to track down films. We also, in the front of the book, you'll actually read about how we chose the movies. Like okay. What actually made a film a sword and sorcerer movie? Star okay. Wars the first star Wars is in the, is in our book oh. um, that 100% qualifies. Oh, and, um, but there are certain other movies that did not as soon as like midichlorians came in, uh, <laughs> it was like, okay, no, that's not sword and sorcery anymore. Now we're like leaning into science, um, science fiction. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a whole deep whole section that in the front of the book, which talks about, you know, when could dragons make a movie fantasy. Um, right. And uh, so, yeah, there's a, uh, that, that actually is a blast to read. And the other thing I'll say is that if you do get the book, uh, I hope you, people enjoy reading it because we try to make it as uh, fun to read as possible. Um, there are a lot of really silly anecdotes and a lot yeah. of Easter eggs. And and uh, we reading that thing, you, you'll learn our voices and our opinions really quickly, though we don't actually uh, rate the movies. There's no right. like five-star thing or anything like that. But we do share our opinions <laughs> very openly about certain films. Mm -hmm. um, but we did try to write it really in a, a fun, sort of inviting way. And 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 thank you both of you for including you know the animation genre in there. I mean, in my opinion, some of the best ones out there. You've you've included you know the Last Unicorn. Oh yeah. You, you, you've included <laughs> you know you've you've included Disney's um, uh, The Black Cauldron. Uh, you know, you, you've, you, we and, didn't and love things it. Are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, I mean, rose, rose color glasses for me. I, right. I was, you know, it was, it was definitely a troubled movie. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a big history behind that. I won't go into, but, uh, but yeah, it, 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 it was one of those things that, you know, a young Scott, me saw at the drive-in with my parents. And at the time, you know, it's this, this, there's no better Disney movie. Um, but it does uh, have the scariest villain of all time for a Disney yeah. film. But 
but in, in, in hindsight, like so many things, uh, don't never venture back. Um, some nostalgia <laughs> is worth being left <laughs> behind. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I can't, I, I mean, just, just, you know, going through it and whatnot, I, I'm definitely going to go through it, but it's definitely worth a read. If, 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 you know, if the listeners out there, if you're, if you're a fan of these sort of sort of sorcery movies, if you're a fan of the, of the genre in the games, uh, it, it definitely is going to a uh, give you some insight in some movies you may not know, but b the you know the concordance uh, of of the sword and sorcery movies, the 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 appendix that you have there is massive. I mean, if if you type sword and sorcery movies on on Google, you'll get maybe a list of fifteen that we all know. Uh, but things in here is going to be eye opening for a lot of people, and hopefully you know allow them to see some of these other movies they may not be aware of. So, but, but yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. Now, now before you go, you recognize me without my sandals on. I'm impressed. <laughs> now, <laughs> be, be, before you go, the, the whole real reason why we invited you on is, is, you know, is your wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, wow. so, so, so what is it like being married to someone who, you know, actually works on the mandalorian um i'm, I'm joking i am so joking we, we, we've, wow we've 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 been you know keith and i've been I, waiting to ask that yeah yeah that's that's yeah, been, she, that's she, been she, she's awesome i mean it what is today's like the international women first international day of the women or something and I, mm-hmm. yeah international women's she, day women's day mm-hmm. yeah uh she's certainly the the greatest woman in my life um yes. without question mm-hmm. no we you know we both met in the film industry um, mm-hmm. I met her I, on her second day working in the film industry in a, in a, oh, on, wow. a on the movie Carnosaur Two. And, <laughs> I've uh, seen that. <laughs> <laughs> that's our movie. That's where we first met. Really? Uh, so that goes back many, many, many years, and we've been together ever since. Um, but yeah, so we we met in the industry, and it was uh, you know I got out of it because I really wanted to be writing, and I had yeah. the opportunity to break away and go work for Warner Brothers Television, mm-hmm. and uh, she stayed in it and. Grew and grew and grew and got to uh, work on some absolutely amazing projects. If you yeah. take a look at her IMDb page, it's longer than all our arms combined. And she's worked on you know some huge blockbusters. But lately, she's been spending most of her time in the in the Star Wars universe. So mm-hmm. she's worked on all three seasons of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett and a couple other series that are coming soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us after no, we... no secrets. They've already been announced, but <laughs> right. with her involvement has not. No, been. no, her uh, her her list of creds is um, quite impressive. Yeah. Her yeah. her project, you know, her her credentials on like IMDb is just mm-hmm. absolutely fast. Is is amazing. Um, I get all the I'm, cool swag because I'm. I don't know if you can see it here. I got my Boba Fett book of Boba Fett hoodie. Oh, right, oh. right. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I mean, nice. I'm not. Scott will tell you I'm not like the like the sci-fi guy. Like I generally don't like game sci-fi. I don't watch sci-fi movies and stuff. Generally, I mean, I grew up watching Star Wars in the theater growing up as a kid. My parents taking me and stuff. The original Star Wars and all that. My wife is the one that takes my now 21 year old when he was a child to go see the latter Star Wars movies in the theater and and do all the movies and stuff with him. But I know when things are good, they may not be for me, like, like role-playing games, right? Like we talked about earlier, right? They may not, they may be good, but they may not be my cup of tea. Right. But I appreciate 
good things and people that enjoy good things and people that make good things. Mm -hmm. And your wife contributes to making fantastic things that lots of people, millions of people enjoy. So on this, the recording of this episode, International Women's Day, thank your wife for me. Thank your wife for my wife, my granddaughter for for doing fantastic things. So, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. I will definitely pass it along. Big Please shout do. out to her. Um, so and no, so, yeah. I've never been to set. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why did we have you on? Can we just, you know, just can move, we just get your wife on here? Yeah, move, just Today slide to the right. Slide to the right. Your wife. So she's oh. driving home. So fine. She's stuck she's on the four hundred five for the next she's stuck five on the hours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that that's the uh, highway, right? The four hundred five. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so Scott, this, this has been fantastic. And I, I hope we covered a lot of, you know, a lot of the areas that you would like to cover. Definitely. There's a lot more that we can talk about. So, you know, sometime in the near future, we got to get you back on, Absolutely. you know, pick, pick your mind about a few things. And, and likewise I do. And Keith, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I almost feel just with Scott's background, the movies he's done and, and his experience with life. I think you run games for us. Well, not only that, but but I I I see Fucking almost a. A, I I see almost a podcast romance forming that if we actually got them on that if we had Scott and Levi Combs on at the same time oh my to, god to, that would to, be to, to have a discussion about like B films and Grindhouse and talk oh my Avenger god that would Ham- be so awesome Hammer Horror we could actually press play and just and come just back in an back. hour and a half <laughs> I'm sure we'd back. have a great just, time just hit record yes. and walk away we we'd have an yeah. episode in the making yes. So Le- Levi, we 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 found your podcast um, soulmate. So we'll yeah we'll, we'll yeah have 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 your have your person call us, have your people call our people. We'll call Scott's people. Yeah, there you go. Um, but no, I would love to get Scott back and um, maybe get Debbie on uh, on the show. Um, we've had her on the show in the past and bring mm-hmm. Debbie on because um, I know Scott, you're aware Debbie is a absolute fan of ETU and a All supporter of Pine Box Texas Middle U. Yeah, when middle, when middle school, middle school. Yeah, when when yes. I heard her talk about she, that was her most anticipated game of 2023. Yeah. Uh, I I wept a little bit. Oh. Tears of joy. So okay, so before we end, before we wrap up this episode, I know we're running long, but <laughs> I don't. The I don't third give time we've said that. <laughs> I don't give two shits. It's how, it's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So you went from ETU to Pine Box Middle. Right. What the hell happened to high school? <laughs> What do you mean? What what the hell's where, where did going high school to go? You to went from school. college to middle school. Oh, you miss you miss the key word. <laughs> so, it, so. It's it's not that it's not there, um, but it's a gap we could fill. Yeah, oh. that's what I wanted to know. I'll tell you one thing: when when I started writing Pine Box Middle School, and this kind of goes along with Flash as well. The first mm-hmm. thing I always do is I write a document uh, for myself of all the potential spinoff or supplemental sure. projects that can be done. That makes sense. Uh, with Flash, we only got to do one. Uh, well, two, um, but uh, and there were many more with Pinebox. Yes, there are other things. There are also things that were in the original manuscript that we yanked out that are potentially okay. going to wind up um, elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, the universe is ever expanding. It's okay. all ours. Pinebox is our IP, so we can do whatever we want with it. Um, and there very well may be um, some other things that are going to step okay. things up in age. I so. think you'll make Debbie a very, very happy lady with that. <laughs> But, you know, it's like we also wanted to make sure that when we did our our middle school, uh, that it was not an 80s throwback because there are 16,000 of those and Stranger yes. Things kind of dominated. So it's contemporary. Um, okay. And that makes it 
very different. Uh, cell phone use is a fantastic thing in our game. And, uh, and we also didn't want to just do a, a Buffy clone. So that's why we didn't want to necessarily just do a high school. So mm -hmm. our high okay. school, if we do a high school, it, it, okay. Pine Box high school, a pine box high, it'll be, uh, it'll be something different. Okay. No, I mean, I, I just, I was curious cause you had the, you had the college with the university and then you had middle school, but obviously that there was that gap of years missing. And I didn't know if it was on purpose or if that was going to be a, another, another path to go down, down the road, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can say no more. All I can say is yeah, that it fair. just seemed like the right time for us to do middle school. So that's fair. I think I speak for everyone when I say I am looking forward to uh, Lone Star Preschool um, when it comes out and all the horrors that happen with. No. OK, whatever. Whatever. I can't do this podcast anymore. Hey, hey, hey like I said, like I said, I write my own material and it only happens in the beginning and at the end. I'm allowed. Yeah, to. I know. OK, <laughs> one last thing before we wrap up this episode. OK, yes. so since I am a fan of. um uh, kids on bikes mm -hmm. i would like to ask you scott would you be down to run a game for scott and i as an actual play for the podcast at at your convenience down the road somewhere of between the cracks your scenario your setting of uh kids on bikes possibly okay yes. oh my no, focus no, right no now is obviously more on pine box middle school but um yeah. yes but that's I'll, fine. Give, I'll give it some thought okay but on or the or you know what or or at your convenience, you might even be able to entice me to do some Pine Box Middle using Savage Worlds. How's Except that? For Debbie would have to play. Debbie yes. would have to play. <laughs> there we go. We couldn't do it without Debbie. There we go. She would strangle me next time we got together at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah. and Are you guys going to Gen Con, by the way? Uh 2024 is the plan. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would year, so. I would love to. I there's 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 a slim chance in hell. I mean, I highly doubt it. it it's one of those things where you know, if if we're doing it, we would it would be like a bunny hop year after year after year. We we couldn't just because I've I've got younger kids and whatnot. If my and, son wasn't sure. graduating from college this year, yeah. but one one thing one thing I am definitely going to try to do. If my son's is, listening, if you weren't graduating in May, yeah, I would be at Gen Con this year, buddy. I would would definitely like to attend a, a Dundrakon. Uh, one year. that was fun. Yeah, I'm doing Publicon next, which will be what, in May. What, what convention yeah. is that? Is that Drag con, like drag queen con? No, done drag con. Back in the 70s, they didn't know how to name conventions and made them, oh. you know, word them properly. So D D U N D R is it D R A D R A G C O N, right? It's done from dungeon. Dungeon Dra from dragon. Dragons. And huh. yeah. Oh, I thought I was gonna con. have to get like like drag clothes or something. That's I, fine. You know, you do yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. All right. No, no, I'm not, I'm not like <laughs> proud to do anything i'm cool yeah so well i mean so one more thing and then we'll, no i'm just kidding uh, but <laughs> let's wrap this sucker up one right. more go thing. in an hour and a half yeah <laughs> yeah excuse one me more just, one more thing. just one more thing <laughs> um yeah so I, again uh scott uh this has been awesome uh, i i hope you've enjoyed yourself i know that that we've we've enjoyed this con the conversation we've had again definitely please come back on we, there's so many more things that you know we can talk about and you know maybe get you involved with, with some other guests um and and uh yeah and and a, you know much success with the with the coming pine box uh middle school i mean it, it's definitely there's you've, you've got a great fan base I, i've got to say you're, you're you know very very blessed to have that 
Um, and you do have one of the the biggest fans of the RPG hobby uh, yeah, you know, who's, who's, <laughs> who's, who's got your back. So um, uh, anything else that you would like to plug and also where can they find you on the on the socials if you have anything like that you'd like to add? Well, there's more. Um, so there's some, some potentially some more Savage World stuff in in the pipeline uh, okay. that I'm wor- working on. Uh, you can also read uh, if you ever read the Pinnacle Entertainment Group newsletter every, that comes mm-hmm. out every week. Yep, I, I write all that. So oh. <laughs> that's oh, one of my okay. little side jobs that I do for them. Uh, cool. So yeah, I, I write the news. I've been writing the news for for Pinnacle for quite a few years now. Um, so that's why I'm always there. You can find my bio on their website as well. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. But uh, really, I, I mainly just do Facebook and Instagram at the moment. Right. Uh, so you can find me in those areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'll be at KublaCon at the end of May up mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. And I'll be running their Savage Saturday Night event. We're going to have nice. uh, at least six or seven tables running Savage Worlds all at the same time. And mm-hmm. I'm running Pine Box Middle School there. And I'm also going to be running a, uh, a sort of a homebrew of uh, it's the characters are going to be from unit from doctor who. So oh, doing that fantastic. as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. All right. And I'll be at Gen Con. Yes. Find me. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been, uh, been a wonderful time, Scott. Thank you for, for coming onto the show. Um, uh, on behalf of Scott and I, again, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Listeners, you know where to find Scott and I. You can find us on the Rolling Boxcars Discord. Uh, there's a Titterpig section. You can hang out there. There's the uh, the Chatter um, channel. You know, hang out with us there. Chat with us. You can you know where to find us on our social medias. Uh, Scott's got his um, Twitter. I've got my Twitter. We'll have all of that in the uh, the show notes. Wow. This wraps up episode 23. Holy crap. And your fifth beer, apparently. No. Um, <laughs> I've only had two beers tonight. <laughs> I'm going to keep um, this up. Right. So, and and just one thing to add before before we say our adieu. Uh, coming up episodes in in, uh, in Titter Pigs is, of course, we've got Scott A. Woodward, who is here with us. Woodard. Uh, Woodard. I'm sorry, Woodard. The, the first one <laughs> no, I no, made. Scott A. Woodward is the, the guy who asked the FBI agents <laughs> to investigate. <laughs> I pronounced it properly the first time, and I haven't been drinking, so that's that's all on me. And you're going to give me a start yet. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, but but coming up, we we're we are having uh, we're having an, an interview with the the authors of Mork Borg, uh, yep. Pele and 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 Johan, and then coming up after that, hopefully we'll be we'll be discussing virtual tabletops. Keith and I we're going to talk yep. about the pluses and the minuses, the virtual tabletops that we like, some that have established, some that are coming, and then some also on the vine, yeah. And then yep. also we're going to be having uh, Kevin Burrup of the successful uh, Kickstarter campaign who's going to be running an actual play for us of his fantastic game, Burn 2D6. So looking forward to it. All right. Well, I mean, just just watching you drink those beers, Keith, I, now I got to <laughs> have one. Um, everyone, just two. Yes. <laughs> two 45 ounces. Wow. Uh, Colt 45s, uh, baby. And those 40 right. ounces. <laughs> all right this, this has been probably the most raucous one we've had so far so this, this is, is good great. i like these episodes this, these are this fun gonna, this is gonna be easy to edit because uh, we're not Bullshit. editing anything edit we're not editing a minute of it um nope. everyone take care and uh happy gaming happy gaming everybody
friends will never live to see it. Take the prisoners at once to the Tunnel of Terror. His son and his lion man. <laughs>